This podcast is made possible by Host Analytics and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Greg Frost, CFO of Hartford Funds, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 323. I faced, all of us faced crisis, obstacles, step backs. And what makes you a great leader, I fundamentally believe, is, is how you overcome those, those situations, how you learn, how you reflect, and how you bounce back from those. So, so in summary, Jack, I would say three uh, tips, advice, actually, that, which worked for me. One is international experience in a global world, two, taking calculated risk and stretching, and last is crisis management is part of learning. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. I'm Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Olivier Leonetti, CFO of Zebra Technologies. Olivier arrived in the CFO office at Zebra eight months ago after the company had completed the acquisition of a company two and a half times its size. So in many ways, Olivier was taking charge of a finance function entirely different from the one his predecessor knew. And he has a unique opportunity to establish something new from the ground up. What would you do? Our interview with Olivier begins after these words from our sponsor. It's no secret finance professionals are dealing with some pretty complex problems these days. Now more than ever, they need tools that can help them streamline complex workflows and focus on bigger strategic issues. By bringing your finance organization together on a single cloud platform, Host Analytics automates everyday processes that would otherwise slow you down. By streamlining your planning, modeling, consolidation, reporting, and analytics, Host helps you connect your organization so you can react more quickly to changing conditions and make better business decisions to optimize performance. Let Host Analytics be your partner in leading the evolution of your business. Technologies. Good. Good morning. Yes. Hi, Olivia. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to get you. Uh, give me just one moment here. I'm going to put on my headset and we can get rolling. Perfect. Hello, we're speaking to Olivier Leonetti, CFO of Zebra Technologies. I'm going to tell you what worked for me, and, and, and I believe what worked for somebody could not work for somebody else. So those are uh, uh, learnings uh, which, which were transfer- transformative for in my career, and as I said, uh, might be different for somebody else. Um, so 
And I put, uh, I have maybe three to mention. So, so first of all, as you can guess from my light uh, accent, I was not raised in both, born in Austin, Texas. Uh, and, and, and very earlier, I live in the US today, in Chicago. Very earlier on in my career, I, I thought it was very important for me to have uh, an international experience. And, and this is what I did uh, at the very, very start of my professional career. Um, I was very deliberate to join a, a great company at the time, the Gillette Company. And I joined the worldwide internal audit department in, in London. Uh, and it was a great way for me to, to start my career and to understand how a global organization is, is being operated. So, so to give you an example, Jack, one way I would be, one, one month I would be in India working on a, on a business acquisition. Another month I would be in Spain working on the implementation of, of an ERP, for example. It was great learning and very fun too. And I believe that in the world of today, Jack, uh, in the open world of today, I think it's critical to have this uh, international experience. And it's, it's today helping me to shape my thinking. It's helping me to solve problems and see opportunities very differently and, and also to interact very differently. I was with, with the Dell uh, computer company for 14 years before joining uh, Zebra Technologies. And I joined, I don't know if you remember, so that was some time ago, when Dell was the superstar, one of the superstars of the NASDAQ. Dell was um, uh, changing the way IT was being run. And Dell was in constant evolution and, and uh, gave me many opportunities to stretch and to challenge. And I always looked uh, for assignments that nobody wanted to take. Uh, assignments which would stretch myself and challenge my thinking, like, for example, working for the emerging markets. Very few people wanted to do that at, in, in the company at the time. Uh, uh, or working, for example, for the consumer good division of them. Again, very challenged business. And those experiences were very challenging, stretching. Sometimes I regretted, candidly, to join those, those divisions. But clearly, my learning and what I am today is based upon those stretched experiences. And the third one I would mention, Jack, is maybe actually the most important one. It's, it's not a, a milestone per se, but it's a, it's a life learning in my career, but also in my life too, is that your life, your professional experience is not linear. Uh, I faced, all of us uh, faced crisis, obstacle, step backs. And what makes you a great leader, I fundamentally believe, is, is how you overcome those, those situations, how you learn, how you reflect, and how you bounce back from those. So, so in summary, Jack, I would say three uh, tips, advice, actually, that w which worked for me. One is interna international experience in a global world. Two, taking calculated risk and stretching. And last is crisis management is part of learning. You land at Zebra Technologies 
after all these experiences, uh, what, uh, and, and of course you're at Weston uh, Digital as well, and you had other CFO tours of duty uh, before ri- arriving at Zebra. What is it that you want to do here? What is the kind of job you were, you were looking to create for yourself? Yeah. So I joined uh, Zebra Technologies about, about now, let me count, eight months ago. It has been a fantastic uh, ride. And, and my first job, I mean, that's actually my first job always, is to realize and to know that I am as good as my team. I know it's kind of a cliche. Uh, and, and my job number one is to create an environment where my team, our team, can reach its best potential. And uh, obviously as a CFO, it's critical for me to create shared value, but I consider that is equally important and equally critical for me to create in an environment where, which value diversity, uh, where uh, the team can learn, stretch, have fun, and, and also contribute to the business in the process. So, so in other words, Jack, I would say that, and I know it's a bit of a cliche, but very few do that, is creating shared value and team, team engagement, they, they go together. And let me... Uh, mention a statistic here, which I always find striking. Uh, Finding alignment between business objective and team objective is very difficult. And I don't know if you you saw this survey, uh, the Gallup poll organization, uh, they have done a survey measuring employees engagement, I believe now for uh, 17 years. They started in, in the year 2000. And they measure employee engagement. In other words, they try to understand how committed employees are at work. And the, the, the latest survey, it, it's actually, um, and it's not getting better, indicates that 30% of the U.S. workforce is engaged at work, and about 10% of the workforce, workforce worldwide is engaged at work. In other words, you have 70% and 90% in the U.S. and and, and 90% of the employees worldwide were not engaged at work. So you can imagine how much talent and productivity is wasted. So so I'm spending a lot of time, sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not, getting our team engaged, developed, happy to come to the office, every morning and happy to contribute uh, and, and be themselves in, in the process. And, and let me give you an example uh, um, to make it alive. Um, Zebra Technologies, I have nothing to do with it, by the way, I joined about eight months ago, as I said, went through a very successful integration. We bought a company two and a half times our size. And, and this Acquisition has been very successful if you look at uh, value creation. And one of the key factors I fundamentally believe behind the success of this integration has been our employees' engagement. I don't know if you know this statistic, Jack, but two acquisitions out of three do not work. Why is this? All of us have the same strategic framework. All of, you, all of us use the same strategic consultant 
to help in integration, but nevertheless, two out of three don't work. And I think the key differentiator is employee engagement, and I think this is something the team has been able to create at, at Zebra. So let me pause here. Okay, very interesting. Uh, is there something uh, about the team when you arrived that you saw where skills could be added or you wanted to modify uh, the structure of the finance team? As you took a look around, what is it that you wanted to modify? So, um, so I have a belief, Jack, is that um, – I mean, largely, what we do in business, what I do in finance, is not that complicated. So that's first belief. The second belief I have is all of us can do whatever we want to, to do if we want to. Uh, so I really believe in the potential of, of, of people to do wonderful, wonderful things, things that they not expect they could do if they want to, if they are engaged in this process. So. So my tendency when I start uh, in, in somewhere is not to change things, actually. It's, it's to have those two beliefs in mind, that uh, the, the potential of human being is, is, is tremendous. So when I started at, at Zebra, what I did is actually, at the start, uh, uh, is actually not a lot. Uh, I, I listened, had a lot of conversa conversations, and I wanted to understand uh, how, uh, what, what is our business model? What are the challenges facing our team? Uh, what would make every team member in the leadership team uh, tick? Uh, 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 what are we looking for? And after this delivery, discovery period rather, uh, we went for an offsite uh, where we debated, discussed uh, how we wanted to work, which pro priorities we wanted to have for our business and ourselves, and ourselves, because you cannot disconnect the two. And we also decided, Jack, and I think it's equally important for success, is what are the things we're not going to do? Uh, and, and this team effort, which, was, which took time, uh, at the end drove alignment, engagement, and was the great start of trying to build trust among uh, among ourselves. All right. So I think uh, we should find out a little more about uh, the products or services that Zebra offers today. And we like to understand better what uh, our finance leaders uh, view as the competitive edge of their company. And I also want to come back to the acquisition because clearly that is opening a new chapter for this company. But let's, let's uh, begin with... Uh, what the uh, uh, offerings may be. So let me start uh, maybe by describing a bit uh, uh, what, what we do in, 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 in simple terms. So in essence, what we do is we track assets, so goods, machineries, equipments, people. Uh, we track assets and we provide insights to optimize the management of those assets. So, so let me give you two examples um, of different importance. First of all, uh, an example with the uh, NFL, so the, the, the National Footballers Association. Um, um, so what we do today is we are tagging the players, 
we're taking the ball and we're analyzing how the game is being played and then we provide insight to the coach to optimize the strategy of, of the team based upon those, those data. Let me give you another example, which is very close to all of us, uh, in, the, in, the, in the field of healthcare. So I don't know if, if your audience know that, but in the US, the second cause of death is due to medical errors. So the first one is cardiovascular issues, we eat too much. Uh, 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 the issue number three is cancer, but the number two is medical error, which is kind of uh, amazing if you think about it. And what we do is one of the solutions we have in, in healthcare, that's not the only one, is with our technology, we ensure that nurses, doctors, give the right drug at, at the right time with the right dose to the right patient. So that's an example of, of what we do uh, uh, with our technology. Now let me answer to your question specifically about our competitive edge. So there are, in a sense, two things we're trying to do. One is we're trying to solve important unmet needs for our customers. So we're trying to solve customer issues. That's point number one. And point number two, we're trying to do that better than competition. Uh, and, 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 and that means that we have a, a maniacal focus on speed, on innovation, on challenging the status quo, and then uh, a maniacal also attention to, to detail. And innovation in the field of technology is obviously a matter of survival. So keep innovating, watching what is out there, what competition is doing, what other players are doing in other industry, how could that be relevant to, to Zebra is part of, of uh, how we stay ahead. Now, what would be those key metrics that you rely on to reveal how Zebra is performing and growing? So I have uh, uh, five. Three that you would expect, two that you might expect less. Uh, uh, so the, the three you would expect are one, and we look at this seriously, uh, regularly. One is market metrics. How is the market doing and what is our position in the market? So market share, in other words, that's one. Second, classic P&L metrics around revenue and profitability. And the third one, which is classic, is obviously cash flow management. And you could argue, ultimately, that's, that's probably one of the most important of the three. On top of those, I look very closely at human capital metrics. Uh, uh, things like attrition, number of, of hours uh, uh, that the team had training themselves, number of rotations. Uh, time on the job. Uh, so I spend as much time on those metrics as I do on cash flow. And let me give you another example uh, about how we use those, those metrics. When we study a decision today, is it a good idea to launch a new product, a new solution? We look at three things of equally. One is 
would our customer like the new solution? Second, would our shareholders like the solution? And last, would our employees, our team members like what we're about to do? And we have had in the recent past ideas which would have been good for our customers, good for our uh, shareholders, but we were not convinced about the engagement we would have from our employees. So we decided to delay the implementation. It shows you how serious we are about those metrics. And the last one is around NPS, net promoter score. In other words, you measure the level of quality of service you provide to your customers at large. So five things we look at, Jack. Is that, had you uh, used the net promoter score as well at earlier, uh, some of your earlier uh, career chapters? It was uh, one key metric at, at Dell. I mean, we were incentivized uh, to perform on these metrics. So again, we had cash flow, meeting targets, but meeting also NPS targets. That's, that was part of our incentive plan, Jack. Okay, but let me quickly uh, touch on the acquisition. And it, it of course, was uh, publicly announced that Zebra acquired the enterprise business of Motorola Technologies. It was a 38 Four five billion dollar deal in cash, um, as you stated, it really magnified uh, zebra's uh, proportions. Um, the deal making went down before you arrived, but uh, I'd imagine the integration uh, is a work in progress. So I was I arrived. So I did. I mean, we finalized the the last milestone uh, uh, in the June. Uh, in the June quarter, and I was uh, so I was at the at the end at one third of the final stage of the integration. Okay, I, I I hate to move on so quickly here because I think there are parts of your career our our listeners would love to learn more about. And um, one of the things that struck me, and I quickly uh, viewed the snapshot of your career on LinkedIn is that uh, you were at Dell 14 years, and, and you rose through the ranks, and you became VP of Finance. Still, uh, 14 years is a long career tenure at any one company. And I know many finance executives building their career must ask themselves the question, am I wise to stay here? What kept you uh, there all that time? Um, and you could very well yeah. pay opportunity. I don't doubt that at all. No, uh, no. I mean, um, I, ju I just believed, uh, I, I felt engaged. I felt stretched. I felt I was about to contribute. I felt that I was, I, I could be myself and then add, nevertheless add uh, value to business. I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm as you can guess from the accent, uh, not a U.S. citizen, and I, I, I see no impact uh, uh, in my career because of this. Uh, the, the company was driving diversity. And I felt this way even when Dell was going through a transformation of its business model. I mean, it's easy to stay in a company where you double the stock price every year. It's tougher to stay in, in, in any organization when business times are, are tougher. And I got, 
actually my best time at Dell was when we went going through the transformation. Because of the impact you have, because of how you stretch your thinking, uh, uh, the, the intensity, the need to, to adjust, to test, to experiment, to try something else, all that drove uh, uh, this, uh, this desire to stay. And the camaraderie, I know it's a kind of a word we don't use nowadays too much in business, but also the camaraderie, the teamwork we had uh, among each other. Can I, how, can I ask how many finance leaders you served under during your tenure there? How many CFOs during those 14 years did Dell have? Uh, let me think. One, two, three. Three. Three CFOs. Yeah, and, and by the way, two of the three I'm still uh, in contact with, and we have dinners on a regular basis and, and speak about the new time and the old times as well. Very nice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, we always like to ask for a finance strategic moment or an aha moment, and this is really just a, a moment of strategic insight that you've experienced along the way as a as a finance executive and your lines of sight into the organization uh, you were able to either identify a risk or maybe it was an opportunity or something else altogether uh, that would later uh, allow you to have some impact in the organization so what what comes to mind So I'm not sure I would speak about a, a moment specifically, but more of a, of a, of a life learning. Um, um, and I hope it doesn't sound pretentious for me to speak, to use those words. But I believe that today uh, 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 in the world, of, particularly in the world, of the current world, is change is a constant. Uh, it's true in our lives, it's true in business. And change is hard. And the, the other one belief I have is, is you need to change before you have to. Uh, because if you change when you have to, it's often too late. And I've had uh, experience in my past life indicating that lack of change could impact me, uh, uh, you know, sometimes ne negatively. So what I do, Jack, today is I'm always trying to learn. And I, would, I believe I will keep learning when I'm 80. I hope I will live that, that long, 85 and so on. I believe we have the capability to keep learning, keep improving what we are. So that's what I'm trying to do. I read a lot. I meet people who are different than me. I always ask questions about what they do, whatever they field. And I'm trying to understand how could I use that in my business. So I'll give you an example. Is, you know, all of us are talking about the shared economy. Uh, the Uber uh, of this world. I'm trying to understand how could that be relevant for my company today? Uh, so let me give you an example. Well, that's certainly a model uh, that's drawn the attention of many finance leaders. As so many companies try and envision uh, where things are headed in terms of talent and how to manage the costs uh, of talent, would you uh, have any thoughts on uh, your organization's workforce and what your priorities as a finance leader might be related to it? Yes. So I, um, 
I measure it actually, Jack. So I go through my agenda on a regular basis and I look at how I spend my time and can I find uh, you know, efficiencies in the way I deploy my time. This is the most precious resource I have. And, and I spend on average about 20 to 25% of my time on talent management, on talent questions. And, and again, if you go back to your earlier question, my job number one, I believe, is to have the best team I can. And uh, I have today, uh, I mean, it's a team effort. We have developed various programs to ensure that we attract, develop, and retain uh, our talent. Um, uh, the programs we have are classic. Uh, I believe that the success factor is not on the innovation behind the program, but more in the focus and, and the commitment beyond the program. So we have rotation programs. We have uh, intense programs. Uh, we give uh, assignments to, uh, stretch assignments to our key leaders. We launched uh, a leadership development program where I'm going to be uh, very much uh, engaged. So that's, that's uh, what I believe about, about talent and give you an idea about the different programs we are running. Okay. We now come to our mentoring round where we ask you several quick questions intended to help inspire uh, future finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? So I feel privileged to do what I do, uh, uh, really. And, and what excites me in finance is uh, I, I like the mechanic of, of the finance function. So uh, closing uh, the books on time well. That, I mean, I know it's a bit boring, but it excites me. Collecting cash on time excites me. Uh, so the mechanic of finance excites me. But what excites me as well is that my job, the job of all the finance leaders in the organization, is also to be a strong business advisor to increase not only the operational efficiency of the enterprise, but also to participate in the strategic framework of the enterprise. So doing those two things uh, excite me today, and I feel very privileged to be able to do that and earn a living doing it. Don't say that to anybody, Jack, but I might do that for free. <laughs> okay. Well, what do you wish someone had told you at the very start of your CFO career when you first arrived for the first time in the CFO office? And, again, you've had a few tours of duty as a finance leader. But upon your, that first day you stepped into the office, what do you wish that piece of advice someone might have given you was? Wow. Um, three things. One is uh, it's a long journey with success and uh, obstacles. And, and as I said earlier, Jack, the obstacles and how you manage them are part of the success, right? They, they define you. So, so in other words, I would have liked somebody to tell me, you will have accidents and that's okay. Think about it, adapt, and move forward. So that would be one. Another one, uh, um, um, it depends on people again. Uh, very few things happen to me by accident. 
uh, I used to live very early, I mean, I used to live in a, in a farm. And I'm today living in a you know wonderful uh, suburb of, 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 of Chicago. Uh, so I know how to run a farm. We didn't own the farm. We worked on it. And I've, I've been able to do, and many people have done those things, what I did in life because I was very deliberate. I have had the plan to do what I want to do in life very early. I just work hard. I study. Uh, uh, I'm, tr I'm trying to, 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 to take risks. So, so that would be the, the second one is be deliberate. Don't float. Don't wait for events to shape you, shape the events. That's point number two. The other one is, and you can sense it from, from the interview, Jack, is believe in yourself. Don't let anybody telling you what you're capable of doing in life. You are your master, nobody else. And you have plenty of examples in life, in politics, in business, in sports, of people who were outliers. They were not designed to succeed, to succeed. All the odds were against them. All the advice were against them. And they did succeed because they believed in themselves. So that would be the third advice. Summary, it's a long journey. It's not a linear journey. Plan, study, and be the master of your destiny. I was going to jump to the next question on personal habit. Before I do, I think one question in a lot of people's minds uh, for, for uh, you have a global resume. You really have lived in different parts of the world. Uh, from a personal life uh, and, and a professional life, family life, how you're able to manage that. I mean, it's a distinct decision. And do you still intend to move uh, as frequently, perhaps, as you did at one time in your career? So, I mean, um, who knows? That is, is, is getting more and more challenging as you get uh, older, Jack. And, 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 and I mean, uh, Anne and I, Ayn is, is my wife, uh, and, and I have three kids. I mean, they're starting to be teenagers. Uh, so after a while, it's starting to be tough. So, but who knows? The, the way to – we have always seen um, changes, and I use we – because this is a partnership. I mean, in life, you don't do things alone. You do that with your partner. I really believe. I mean, one of the best, this is not the purpose of this podcast, Jack, but, but the best decision I took is obviously to, to meet my, my, my wife as partner, right? So, and you don't do those things alone. Uh, so being together, having the same objective together was key. And then embrace change uh, and adapt. So I've just, I just moved from Los Angeles, 90 degrees, to Chicago, where you have snow most of the years, so I'm told, right? And but I'm not trying to compare Los Angeles with Chicago. Chicago is different things. We're going to do different, we're going to do different things. Uh, uh, we're going to meet different people, and we'll organize our life differently. And, and, and I have to say, it has been wonderful. And, and I believe that each change has made us, has maybe just better. Our life has been better. Our life has been richer. And as you move from one place to another, you increase your network of friends. Is there a personal habit that you have that you believe has contributed to your professional success? I think so. Um, 
I, the, prof, the habit is planning. We have a busy life. We try to be uh, a, a, a good professional, but we want to be a good father. We want to be a good son. We want to be a good husband. We want to be a good citizen. This is hard to do. It's hard to do for all of us. We're struggling with balancing all those lives. But all of them are important, right? You want to do well in all of those. So what I do is I plan. I know it's a bit boring, but I plan when I'm going to spend time with my kids. I plan when I'm going to date my wife, and we've been together for now 28 years. So we have days booked. Uh, I plan my uh, reading. I plan my training. Uh, uh, so the personal habit is I know what I want to do, and I don't leave it to uh, luck. I just plan for it. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? I mean, I, 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 I try to – I read regularly. Uh, and I, actually, for your, for your audience, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So the, the beauty with the podcast is that you can do two things at the same time, right? So I run and I listen to books. So, so I can read more than I usually do. One I've read uh, some time ago now, about, about a year ago, is, is called The End of Average from Todd Rose. And, and um, what basically, it's a very well-researched book. And what the book tells you is, and again, is the theme of our interview um, Jack, is we are all different and all of us have a path to do whatever we want to do. And the author actually was uh, a kid, I mean, he's not a kid anymore, he's a professor at Harvard, but he didn't succeed until the end of high school because he was using to develop himself before traditional recipes average recipes, but we're not average people. All of us are different. We learn differently. We react differently to things. So this book is about we're all different. Adjust what you do to yourself, and you will reach your goals, whatever they are. That's, that's what the theme in the book. Highly recommended. And you have many examples which are business-related, uh, many examples which are relevant to how you manage your, assuming you can do that, your teenage uh, 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 kid or how you manage your, uh, your boss and so on. Highly recommended book. Thought Leader listeners, I hope you're enjoying our talk with Olivier Leonetti. I know I certainly appreciated the opportunity to catch up with Olivier and discover his mindset as a finance leader, which I hope you too have enjoyed listening to his thoughts during this episode. But wait, it's not over. We are, of course, going to be asking Olivier to share his priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months. We do have to share a sponsor's message, sponsors who make all things possible. But we love having you as a listener, so please stick around. I know you'll enjoy his response right after these words from our sponsor.
You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, so we then have our final question, which is simply I ask you, what are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? So the priority is building a sustainable business model which is going to deliver profitable growth. I mean, it's an ambitious goal, right? So I don't believe in short-term performance only. It's easy to drive short-term performance. It's more difficult to drive short-term performance and long-term performance. So my goal, I mean, it's a team goal. It's the, the, the goal of all of us in the company is how are we going to equip the company to deliver sustainable, uh, profitable growth? And, and that would mean that we have to, to speak about how we improve operational efficiencies today, what kind of strategy do we need to have for the future, and how do we invest in everything we do, including our people? Because we will succeed or fail because of the engagement uh, of our team. So that, that's the, the, the ambitious challenge. It's Jack Sweeney with a quick note that CFO Thought Leader now has a quarterly print magazine. That's right, print. Each issue will profile 25 different CFOs. Let me repeat that, 25 CFOs. Other uh, print publications are lucky if they're able to bring you five CFOs per issue. What we understand is that you want to consume content in multiple ways. But wait a minute, there's something more here. We wanted this print magazine to be a podcast companion. So when you receive it, we want you to quickly thumb through it and maybe identify which episodes you have missed. We want you to dog ear those pages, as well as uh, perhaps the pages that feature CFOs from episodes you already listened to but found maybe a little extra value from. 12 months later, you will have a library of 100 CFO profiles highlighted with your insights or comments alongside the CFO thought leaders. Now, how much are we charging for this one-of-a-kind 100 CFO profile library? Annual subscriptions are $119. We think that's reasonable. 
We thought about it a little bit, but that's that's what we came up with. Uh, visit us and subscribe to CFO Thought Leader magazine at cfothoughtleader.com, where the future of finance is listening.